sometimes even if you don't see it as a result on the track or whatever your endeavor may be if you don't physically see it you have to go with how you're feeling if you feel that you've improved chances are you have yeah. so you just have to go with literally yourself you have to do what's right for you and mm. i can't emphasize that enough welcome to the power hour the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success i'm adrienne herbert international speaker fitness coach adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur each week i'll be talking to today's leading coaches creatives change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today, for the first time, I have not one, but two guests in the podcast studio with me. Two professional athletes that grew up together. They train together, they live together. They are in fact identical twins. Initially inspired by the London Olympics in 2012, and after volunteering at the games to carry kit bags for the athletes, they saw a glimpse of what life was like for the professional athletes on the world's biggest stage. Fast forward five years and they would themselves step out onto the track wearing the GB kit at the World Championships. Today, they are both Adidas sponsored athletes and I want to find out more about their incredible journey so far, how they are preparing for the Olympic games and what it's like to be one of, or should I say two of the fastest sprinters in the world. Welcome to the show, Lena and Lavia Nielsen. Hi. Hello. Hashtag Hashtag intro queen. Can we just make that a thing? Yes, I love the intro. I'm so happy (laughs) to have you guys here. And as I said, I've never had two guests in the studio at the same time. So thanks for coming in. Thanks thanks for for having having us. Oh. (laughs) Twins. Oh my gosh. Twin brain. So I guess throughout, I'm going to try and use your names so that people listening yeah. can hear who's answering the question. I know, because we sound exactly the same. You do. And you look exactly the same. <laughs> Hence, well, identical. Yeah. Well, she's dyed her hair blonde to make sure and got that... tattoos so that people could distinguish, but people don't see it. No? <laughs> okay, so... men. They don't, really? they don't notice that we have the complete opposite hair. <laughs> yeah, so Lena's got lighter hair, she's got highlights, and she's got tattoos. So that's how we can tell who's who. Okay, so as I said, so many things I want to talk to you girls about today. You've already achieved so much. Your story, I just think, is so... It's like a film, it's so inspiring and so amazing. <laughs> so can you take it back, take us back um, to, I guess, like when you were at school, like I read an article with The Telegraph where you guys talked about your days at primary school and how your school was transformed by the London 2012 Olympics. So were you already interested in sports and running before then? How, how old were you at the time? So we were about eight or nine years old when we first heard of the Olympics coming to London and we were about 10 minutes away from where they would Um, be held in Stratford and we had never been involved in sport at all like we'd never heard of it our families are not sporty at all so we just kind of uh, when we first saw the track so they completely transformed uh, one of our old buildings in our primary school and made it into a multi-sport astroturf pitch and they drew a track onto it we were like oh what's that Um, and then (laughs) one of our teachers said oh it's it's something you run around and we thought okay let's give it a go so in our lunchtime breaks we would just 
the first thing we do, we'd literally sprint to the track and then just do laps and laps and laps and we'd invite our friends to join in and then they would drop out a lap or two later yeah. and we would just keep going. And I think it was because of both of us, we were, we were competitive without even knowing it. And we just wanted to see who could last the longest and we would last the entire lunch break. Wow, okay, so you were doing more kind of endurance and did you do cross country as well, I heard? Yeah, so yeah. During, all throughout school we just enjoyed the thrill of running and even to this day it is just the thrill of running that we enjoy so we just wanted to see what we could do so it was the cross country after school and then the after school clubs and then in the summer we'd do the the track sprints we literally did everything we could apart from throwing <laughs> we can't throw but yeah we just yeah. enjoyed it i so think much. our teachers saw how talented we were when we were running around the track and the playground and they they would be the ones to say right we've got this borough cross country championships you're doing it <laughs> not even do you want to like yeah yeah you're doing it and um, yeah, people just saw this, this talent in us and um, if it wasn't for that track being built, we wouldn't be. <laughs> so if it wasn't yeah. for the Olympics, it's crazy. And so, yeah, that must have been so exciting. What was it, what was the vibe and the atmosphere like at your school in the lead up to the Olympics, knowing, as you said, that it was so close to your school and, you know, the whole stadium being built and everything? Yeah. I th it's crazy. I, I have this vivid memory of um, they kind of put this whole big screen in the playground and they, they projected, um, I think it was BBC One or something like that of the moment when we'd find out which yeah. um, city was going to win the Olympic um, bid. And I think the whole school was in the playground. I remember it so well because I was wearing this red t-shirt <laughs> saying London 2012 on it. And the whole playground just erupted. And we, I was just trying to figure out what was happening because I didn't think we realised how big this, this thing was, the Olympics coming to our city. So I think that's when we started to realise that the Olympics is a big thing. And, and we'd been kind of involved in the whole um, process of it kind of being built in London and obviously being so close to the stadium, we saw how our city regenerated and our town regenerated and the big buzz around the Olympics. So we were really excited when it finally came around. Yeah, wow, it was amazing. It was so <laughs> yeah. amazing. And I think people always talk about that games as, you know, it was inspire yeah. a generation, right? Yeah. And that's literally, you literally guys us. are the proof, <laughs> like you're the proof. Yeah. So you then volunteered at the games. What an amazing opportunity. Talk yeah. about motivating. Uh, I've read a lot of studies about growth mindset and about the power of visualization is something that I am personally fascinated by. And this is such a great example of how when you see something or even better, when you experience it yourself, you can see a way to achieve it so do you think that you would be here today even doing what you do now if you hadn't had that experience definitely I don't think we would be here if it wasn't for the Olympics and it's interesting I think we I cannot relate more to the visualization aspect of it because we we were competing cross-country we we're doing all the school stuff and we joined a club but it was all very low-key very small scale and it was it was pretty much just the grassroots yeah. sport yeah so once, once we got to the olympic games and we were standing on the track with these athletes who we'd always seen on tv and it always seemed so far-fetched and these are superheroes these are made-up characters once you're on the track with these athletes i remember looking at jessica and i was thinking she's She's small, she's tiny. Like you see her on TV, she just- Yeah, I remember you, that. Yeah, you just- Cause like all the other heptathletes were about six foot two. Yeah. And she was five foot five. And we were like, oh, well, there she is. Like oh. she's a real person. Yeah, look, she's right here. She's doing this. Mm. Why can't we do it? And I think is once we, um, we were on that track, we just thought, okay, we want to be where these athletes are right now. Yeah, it just made it seem more real. Like they were real people. And it kind of made us kind of think, okay, what did they do? Like, how did they get there? And then. We were like, well, it can't be that hard. Like, yeah. you know, these are these are human beings. Like, they're not really that different from from us. So then, I remember that evening we went home and we were like, okay, what are we gonna do? Because we need to be there. Yes, <laughs> making a plan. Yeah, like, okay. then, yeah, the twin twin moment. Right, we're making a plan. Like, we have to do this. <laughs> and a year later, we were with our first kind of like serious coach, and that was when the journey started. Wow. Crazy. So, because Lavia, you carried. 
the kit for Jess Ennis Hill, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, stood right behind her. <laughs> wow, and I think, yeah, so for anyone listening, you know, when you volunteer at the games, I guess you were, how old then, 16? 16. 16 years old, you're carrying the kit for the athletes, and as you said, you're walking out on that track, and I just think that is so powerful, like what a powerful place to be, and as you said, to see those yeah. people right in front of you and think, mm. she's a human, she's, as you said, you know, and also representation, you know, seeing people there and going, wow like you said if they can do it we could do this like that attitude and I think that must you know it's a mind it is a mindset of people thinking you know some people would box things off as thinking that's so unachievable it's you know a pipe dream it could never achieve it whereas you guys at 16 years old it's so powerful to be standing there and thinking we could do this I think we were at the right place at the right time like we were so lucky because that opportunity was only available to 16 to 18 year olds in the borough that was hosting the Olympic Games. So we fit that box so well. We were like, we're so lucky out of all the people in this country, in the world, and we get this opportunity. We're like, we have to make something out of it. Yeah. And what was it like volunteering? Did you get to interact with the athletes? Were you there every day? No. What was it like? <laughs> it was so funny because we had these strict instructions. We had to wear a cap, which would cover like half of our faces. <laughs> and we were told, only look directly in front of you. Don't look anywhere else. Don't turn around. Just, just be civil. And we were like, okay, yeah, we've got this. Like, this is our gig, we've got it. And then when we walked out for Jessica Ennis's 200 um, in her heptathlon, as soon as she walked out, so we were instructed to walk out first in the line, put the boxes down, and then the athletes would walk out. And as soon as she walked out, 80,000 people just erupted into a scream and all these camera flashes everywhere and we couldn't help but look we, we just forgot all the instructions we were like oh well, my everyone yeah God. everyone was like even the officials who told yeah. us not to look were looking everyone was looking at the it was the amount of light it was night time but the amount of flashes and stuff you'd think it was it was like lightning it was crazy wow. yeah it was unbelievable i still oh. remember it like it was yesterday oh, yeah. no, i've got goosebumps yeah. it sounds amazing yeah. and, and that's you can imagine that kind of feeling that we got we were like oh, well hold on <laughs> i want this because it was such a magical moment and we just thought oh, if it takes 10 years I'll, I'll do it we want yeah. this it's crazy and often I guess athletes don't always get that kind of rock star moment like you yeah. just said 80,000 people in a stadium that's like mad. cheering for you yeah. that's mad like, <laughs> yeah. that's a different that's a different level you know yeah. amazing okay so I'm sure that many people have probably said this to you in the past you have twins you know growing up when I was a child I always wanted to be a twin I always just <laughs> thought it's so cool like I always thought it was really cool and actually I guess maybe from watching Lindsay Lohan in The Parent Trap great movie <laughs> terrible British accent yes true but I also figured like I also want to have twins like it just seems so fun but I want to know I guess the real deal like the honest honest truth what is the best thing and what is the worst thing about being an identical twin Lena what am I answering both yes yeah you're answering first the best thing about being a twin is that you've literally got the same person there with you so she will always know what I'm going through. Um, so she's like the one person. It's like talking to yourself, but you know, you've got someone else there to listen and feedback. So um, that's definitely the best thing about being a twin is that you're literally going through the same thing. And I guess the worst thing for me, I don't know if you feel like this, Navi, but it's um, the comparison. So I think people always compare us and, and, and I always get, I actually had this question the other day, which one of you is the faster one? <laughs> and actually I went to come to the other day and someone was like, are you the faster one? And I was like, no. <laughs> so it makes me feel quite bad that it's like people kind of expect us to be doing the same thing and, and, and don't realize that maybe we're human beings and that um, that we, we are going through separate journeys and um, that things that time might not run the same for us, I guess. Mm. So for me, that's the, that's the worst thing about being a twin is people just, kind of expecting you to do the same thing, I guess, mm. yeah. What about you, Lavia? Um, the best thing is definitely having a best friend with you for life. So I don't ever remember a time where we've diverged. We've always been 
very similar similar taste in music and TV shows and books. So it's quite nice that if she wants to watch something, we can watch it together. Or if she wants to read a book, we can talk about it afterwards because we yeah. both love it. Um, the worst thing I'm going to have to agree with Lena is the comparisons. And even if it's not just the 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 fast thing it's also when we were in school who's the smarter one did yeah. you get better grades than her did you are you doing the same the same subjects and yeah. it's just um it, it gets quite tiring after a while because you don't like to answer those questions because you do want to succeed yourself but you want your sister to succeed as well and so when someone's comparing you mm. I don't know it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel right and so I, I, that is one thing that I definitely haven't enjoyed yeah. <laughs> of being yeah. a twin yeah or why didn't you get the same grades as her and it's like oh I yeah. don't know how to answer that. A different person. Yeah, because yeah. I guess yeah. there's a lot of it that's like nature nurture, right? Yeah. So there'll be some things that are exactly the same, but then there's the nurture in the environment and things yeah. that you will have done differently yeah. throughout your lives. Yeah, it's, it's the same kind of like we did different A-levels. Like Lavi kind of went down the humanitarian English kind of philosophy A-levels <laughs> and I was all maths and science. And it was like, oh, well, how come she can write and you can't? How come she can do maths and you can't? And it's like... So we're not How exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, cool. I'm going to bring it back a little bit to uh, athletics. And I know that you both now compete in the 400 meters, Lena in the 400 meter hurdles and Lavia <laughs> in the 400 meter sprint. And I can just, can I just say, I think that the 400 meters just might be <laughs> the most savage, worst, gut-wrenching event. It's the worst. It's pure pain. <laughs> it's torture. It's like such a challenge, a challenging event, both physically and mentally. And the sprint training, oh my gosh, ouch. <laughs> I know that those training sessions must be bad. So how and why did you choose such a tough event? Um, so as we said before, um, when we were in school, we always competed in everything we could. So the cross country we did, we did everything. But the first time I tried the 400, and I'm sure you'd agree as well, because you've done this before. The first time just feels like absolute death. It's just so much pain and your legs literally feel like they're about to explode. But I remember the feeling of crossing the line and thinking, oh, that was really challenging, but I overcame it and I finished and I, I, I ran a PB. And ever since then I thought, this is what I want to train for. This is the feeling that I want to feel again and again and again. Um, and they always say, you know, I always think that the 400, we didn't pick it, it actually picked us. Mm -hmm. And it just feels so right, it feels natural to us. And it, I really enjoy the training as well. You enjoy it? Yeah, oh. well, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you do get those sessions that are absolutely painful. Brutal. Yeah, grueling pain, but it varies as well because it is a sprint event, but it also, it also requires an element of endurance. So there are sessions during the year that are different to another time in the year. So for example, in October, um, I was doing like close to 500 meter runs, which is more endurance based. And then in the summer, I'll go down to 40 meters. And that's just completely different <laughs> yeah. ends of the spectrum. Um, I think that's why I enjoy yeah. it as well. And Lena, you're doing 400 meter hurdles. Mm, yeah. Yeah, talk to us about that. <laughs> so it kind of goes back to the whole, I think that the main, one of the main reasons I switched from the 400 to the four hurdles was kind of the twin thing. And I kind of got sick of comparisons because at the, at the time when I was switching to the four hurdles and, and was fully committed to it, I think, Lavi had just come forth at the European Indoors. I got pulled out through injury. Um, and then I just thought, oh, the 400s, like, it's brought me so much bad luck. And then um, outdoors, Lavi's going to the World Championships and I wasn't doing any of that. And I just thought, people are gonna keep asking me, okay, why haven't you gone there? Why haven't you, why aren't you there with her? Um, so then I thought, do you know what? I'm just sick and tired of people asking me why, why am I not doing the same thing? So I was like, I need something that's gonna be mine. And I had tried the four hurdles um, two years before that when I was still a junior and 
I think at the time I was ranked third in the 400 in the junior rankings. And I did the four hurdles once and got ranked second in the UK. And I thought, hmm, maybe this is for me. And um, I just decided that I enjoyed it way more than, than the 400 because I actually don't like the 400. I think it's more painful than the four hurdles. And I just thought I don't, don't want to do that anymore. So right. I just decided that I was going to do something that I wanted to enjoy and that I could call mine. And haven't looked back since. I'm really, really happy in the four hurdles. Great, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> so you just touched then, mentioned about Lavia when you came fourth at the European Indoor Championships. And so you made it to the final and then you came fourth in the final. Now I've heard lots of athletes say that fourth place is the worst place to come in a race. Like it's almost worse than coming last. <laughs> and I know that's, you know, it seems really negative. So what do you think about that? How did you feel coming fourth? And would you agree it's the worst place? Cause you're so close to the medal, but you don't actually get one. See, I've come fourth twice now at uh, European indoors and European outdoors. I feel like we should get rid of this fourth is, feels like last place because um, both times I felt very different. So in the European indoors, I, w- I went into the final rank third. So in my head, I was thinking, right, I could get bronze here. And it was only to the last 20 meters. I was like, I've got bronze, I've got bronze, I've got bronze. And then one of the athletes came and passed me and I, I came fourth. And that felt like I, I thought I should have just come last. There's no point <laughs> coming fourth because it, ju- it does feel so close to the podium. Mm-hmm. But then saying that when I came fourth at the European outdoors, it gave me a totally new perspective on this fourth place. Um, and because I'd, I'd come in rank 16th, and I made my way to the final, which was a huge ambitious goal for me to even make. Cause I thought, okay, if I'm ranked sixteenth, I need to beat eight people to get to the final. So I got to the final and then beat a further four people. And that just felt like a medal to me. It was such an achievement. And I just thought, oh, fourth's not, it's not that bad yeah. because it, you've made a final, you've beaten so many girls to get there. And you ran a PB, uh, that I ran a PB. And yeah. about five years younger than anybody yeah. else in that final. And it's, I think it's, it's just crazy. relative. If you've come fourth before, don't think it's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely and I get, I'm, I'm assuming most people who are listening to this podcast <laughs> have never come forth in a <laughs> European championships in any event. So yeah, I mean, got to be pretty happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also I heard a rumor that you might be, Lavia, competing in the 200 as well. Is that rumor true? Well, no. <gasps> give us the exclusive. Um, no, oh, <laughs> I wish they were because I would, I mean, I would love to do 200. I do them sometimes at the start of the season, but like I said before, because we've come from cross country, we've worked our way down. I think the 400 is literally where we're going to stop. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I can get any faster at 200, but in saying that, I will be doing a lot more 200s next season. Okay. Um, so we'll see where it goes. We'll but the see. 400 is where my heart lies. Watch this space, guys. <laughs> and Lena, I have a question for you. Well, I guess for both of you, actually, because mm-hmm. I read in another interview, I've been doing my research on you girls, <laughs> that after your sister won gold and became the European junior 400 meter champion, you said, and I quote, I'm really happy for her. It's inspiring, but also comforting at the same time, because I know that if she's done it, then I can do it too. So yeah. I guess you guys have an incredibly close relationship. As as twins, I'm sure there's nothing like it. So yeah. how do you cope with competing with one another? That's a good question. Um, yeah, so going back to that, that, that year, it was 2015, she had just won um, the European Juniors. And I was in that race and I came dead last. <laughs> so it's like a twin sandwich. One comes first, one comes last. And I was, it was a mix, mix emotions. Like I was, I was obviously distraught that I had come last. And I was like, oh gosh, why did I even do it? But she had come first and it was like, cause she's literally my carbon copy. I was like, oh, well, you know, she's done it. So at least she did it for both of us. So I thought, okay, if she's done it. Then, then you will do it one day too. Don't worry, like it'll yeah. be fine. So, so to see her do it, I think if I saw anybody else do it, I'd still be distraught about myself. But to see my twin sister do it, I was like, oh, well, that's, that gives me inspiration. That gives me comfort because she just showed that we, we could do it. Um, and I guess you feel kind of the other, the same way, but it could be opposite because you 
you were happy for yourself, but at the same time she was comforting me. And I was like, no, no, no you have to go enjoy, enjoy your, your lap of honor. You've just won the Europeans. Um, so it's quite nice having, having a twin there. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that is complicated. How yeah. was it for you, Lavia, winning first place and feeling, <laughs> as you say, that your sister's coming last and you want to be there for her, but also celebrate your success? I know, because it was a mix of emotions because I, I remember crossing the line and I was bent over because it's exhausting. And then I turned, I turned around to see my sister and she was like, I've come last. And it was just the most... <laughs> This, it's, it's the most it's the sad feeling to, to see her do that but then she was like go 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 celebrate and then you have to try and celebrate and this is like <laughs> I can't do this and um and then I, I remember doing my lap of honor and then the first thing I did when I came back is comforted my sister yeah. um, but in saying that it's also quite nice to have a familiar face there because it can be so overwhelming it feels like a complete different world so to to have a familiar face then I say familiar because it's exactly the same <laughs> <as well. laughs> an identical <laughs> an identical familiar face um it, it gives you comfort because it can be really scary so yeah. I, I wouldn't change that for the world whatever the result may be yeah and I know yeah. that she feels that way so that's why when when I saw her on tv qualify for the final at the Europeans I was like right we've got to fly out now <laughs> I've got to fly out and see her and then she cried when I saw her because I surprised her at the team hotel and it was like, like four yeah. hours before my final four hours before my final didn't. she didn't know I was coming out <laughs> to Berlin I got there I was like I love you and she just cried because it's so lonely when you're out there by yourself she was the only one who had made the final at the GB team uh, made the Ponja final and she I could just I, I knew what she was feeling and I was like I have to be there so I caught the next flight it was super expensive but it was worth it to see wow. her you guys are amazing yeah. I'm like listening to this thinking me and my siblings man <laughs> if we were in a competition like that together we're so competitive and we're so cutthroat it would literally be like I win you lose in your face like honestly the fact oh. that you two that is really sweet and the fact and you know who we're missing from this conversation the parents this oh. emotional journey for you guys but the emotional roller coaster for them like were they there when you came first and you're like how are they dealing with this <laughs> well remember at the start we said our family just is not sporty mm. our mum does not understand <laughs> she still thinks this is a hobby for us she's okay. like so what are you doing for a job i'm like mum i'm running around in circles for a, <laughs> for a I'm job i'm a professional athlete yeah. <laughs> like, i have to get paid to do this and she, she still doesn't understand it but um when she sees us on tv i think that's when she realizes how big of a deal it is for us yeah it also keeps us really grounded because when i came forth at the european indoors the first time I remember coming back home and everyone was like, oh, you're so close to medal. Next time you'll get a medal, you'll be on the podium next time. And the more you hear people say it, the more it, it resonates with you. You're like, oh gosh, I was so close. I came home to my mum and she was like, why did you come forth? <laughs> and it's just like, it puts it into perspective. You're like, yeah, why did I come forth? Next time I'll come. She there, doesn't yeah. see the scale maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. She's like, why did you win? I think you did the Diamond League in yeah. London and she was against like, Olympic champions. Yeah, Olympic champions, world champions. And then my mum was like, why didn't you win? Love was like, like no, but, but mum, this is a big deal. Like these people are really, really good. She's like, no, next time we have to win. <laughs> I love it's that. Really funny, yeah. That's great. But it's great because it doesn't put pressure on us. I know a lot of parents have put pressure on their on their children. I've, I've seen a lot of it in athletics where the parents are like literally the people who are controlling their, what the kids do and stuff. And we never had that. We always kind of made our own decisions and we, we're literally here just because of what we decided to do. So it's kind of nice that we kind of had control over that. So hmm. it's quite nice. It's, it's She's really supportive, but at the same time, it's, it's very much in our hands, which mm -hmm. I think is quite, I don't know, empowering and liberating. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I bet. And, and do, yeah. do you have any other siblings? No, no we just really, you you're just us two. two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so, Lavia, we've talked a little bit about this, about this before, but again, the question is to both of you, I guess. <laughs> we talked a little bit before about um, imposter syndrome, and that's something that you, you know, told me that you have felt before. So how have you learned to overcome it? Have you learned to overcome it? Yeah, I think this is something that, um, not a lot of people talk about within elite sport, but it's definitely present in it. So 
Um, going back to 2015, I just won the European Juniors. It was my last year as a junior athlete. I was 19 years old. And when I came back home, I was ready to sort of start my summer holidays because it was middle of July. All my friends had gone on the summer holiday and I thought, okay, it's time, time for me to enjoy my summer. And then I got a phone call saying that I was going to the World Championships in Beijing. That's a senior championship. It's the next big, big thing after the Olympics. And my first thought was like, wow, this is really exciting. I can't believe it. Jessica Ennis is on that team. So it was <laughs> like three years after carrying her kit. That was just incredible. And then I got there and it was a team of about 70 athletes. Um, we had Olympic champions, world champions, European champions, um, world lead athletes. And I just stood in the, I, I remember we took a group picture and I wanted to stand at the back because I just thought I, I'm not, I don't belong in this picture. Um, and then I got dragged by one of my friends to the middle of the picture and I w literally wanted to duck. I thought, no, I, I definitely don't belong in this team. And then watching them go off and train and they were fine tuning and getting rid of bad habits just before they um, competed on the big stage. I remember going to a training track uh, as they were leading into the world championships and I just stood at the side and I didn't want to train alongside these athletes because they knew it looked like they knew what they were doing and I definitely just, just didn't feel like that. Um, and so I came back home and one of the first thoughts I thought was, I want to be a world championship athlete. I want to be one of them. And then the other, the other thought I had immediately afterwards, no, I don't, that's not me. Um, and it's, it's such a, a challenging feeling to have because it's something you want, but something you feel you can't have. And it's, the imposter syndrome is this feeling that you're a fraud and that you don't mm. belong where you are. Um, and it's, it's something that's very difficult to overcome because you feel like, there's no guidelines, no one tells you how to do it. All of a sudden these athletes knew what they were doing, but there's no instructions on how to get there. Um, and so it took a few years, 2016, I was trying to make the Olympics, but again, that feeling was there with, um, these athletes deserve to go to the Olympics because they've been doing it for eight, nine years and I've only been doing it for two. Um, and then again, coming into 2017 World Championships, uh, I was just a relay athlete, didn't make the individual 400. And I thought, I, this is not, it's not for me. Like, how am I supposed to be one of these athletes? Um, but overcoming it, I think, is what I realised is that athletics is a very individual sport. And in saying that, there are a lot of individuals in the sport and we're all very different. And we, we're going to have different paths to where we want to go to. Um, there isn't a one size fits all. Um, so you have to focus on your individual goals. So my goal and Lena's goal was once we saw the Olympics in 2012 is that we wanted to be there. So I just thought, I'm just gonna try and be the best person that I can be, not just athletically, but in general, I'm just gonna try and be the best person that I can be. And once you make a goal that's yours and not something that you grab from the internet or on Instagram, once you make a goal that's yours. So I just said, I'm just gonna try and be faster and stronger. And it's very simple. It mm. just made things a lot easier because I, was now focusing on myself and not what everyone around me was doing. Mm. And I think that's one way to try and overcome the imposter syndrome is to, to not mm. compare yourself to people that you see on TV or on Instagram or um, even in, in your field. You just yeah. have to focus on what you want to do and how you're going to get there. Yeah. And I guess yeah. as well in athletics, you know, it's results driven and, yeah. and the results speak for themselves. Yeah. So surely that <laughs> must have helped. No, like when you, you know, running those PBs, running those fast times, like, you know, I. I understand the the concept of imposter syndrome but you've also i guess got to look at those numbers mm -hmm. and think i ran that like yeah. i did that time that yeah. was me but also what made it difficult was i ran my pb just before the european juniors and then coming back from the world championships in 2015 it took me three years to beat my feet i only beat it this year actually in 2018 oh sorry last year yeah. <laughs> in 2018 um and even then you're trying to get to 
a world stage and you're not beating your PB, you can't see it still. Sometimes you just have to go with feeling. And I think that's really important. I could feel that I was getting stronger. I could see in the gym that my weights were getting heavier. I was lifting heavier. I could see on the track, some of my times were getting faster. But sometimes even if you don't see it as a result on the track or wherever your endeavor may be, if you don't physically see it, you have to go with how you're feeling. If you feel that you've improved, chances are you have. Yeah. So you just have to go with literally yourself. You have to do what's right for you. And mm-hmm. I can't emphasize that enough. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, how about you, Lena? Have you uh, shared that imposter, imposter syndrome feeling? Yeah, definitely. I think it's, I, I think it's not spoken about enough and I, and I probably could predict that about 80% of people out there have, have that feeling of being a fraud. And for me, it, it literally feeling this at the moment I think I got an invite to go to the BBC Sports Personality Awards and if this was me two years ago I'd have been oh great like I'm gonna start looking for dresses what am I gonna wear how am I gonna do my hair and the first thing I thought was I don't belong to be there I don't belong there I don't deserve to be there and I had to quickly find an excuse to turn down my invite and I just thought right no I'm not going and it was just because I just questioned like why why would they want me there like I haven't done anything in like two three years did you go no, you I was too scared. Honestly, the, the feeling overtook me. And I just, I remember talking to my teammates um, about this. I was in Portugal at the time. And I just, I was talking to one of my teammates and I said, why would they invite me? Like, there is no reason for me to be there. I haven't achieved anything this year. I haven't achieved anything last year. Um, and I just felt like I was just being a fraud. And I, if I had gone along, I would have just been playing the role of, of being this professional athlete and not actually having been like any successful athlete, I guess. Um, and it's not just that, it's like everything else. So there was a time last year where I thought I don't deserve my sponsorship so I guess being a sponsored athlete and being a professional athlete kind of comes with a responsibility to you know perform and achieve these results and um, I think the last big thing that I had done was made the European indoor team but even when I made the that team I didn't get my chance to run because I got pulled out with an injury and it was like I haven't achieved anything as a as a senior athlete and I just kept putting these thoughts into my head like you don't deserve your sponsorship like you should just give it up and I, I remember seeing these these tweets from we have these like athletics trolls and I think I saw this tweet and you you saw this tweet as well. I was like the only way to get sponsorship these days is to be a light-skinned twin wow. and, oh, no. and that <laughs> wow. that just stuck with me for so like I saw that tweet and I just thought they're right they're right because why no. else would they give me and I literally just kept thinking these things and I just it got to me so bad that like when I got to the track, I would wear these like plain black leggings that try to hide the logo and like wear this plain black shirt so that I'm not a screaming sponsored athlete in anyone's face. Like I just felt like I, I didn't deserve it. And um, I just thought, how am I going to overcome this? I need to, I need to believe that I'm going to be, I'm going to be good one day. So I need to, I guess, fake it till I make it. So I started to, to think of ways of how I was going to own, own myself and own this, this um, sponsored athlete role. And, um, I guess it goes back to what Lavi was saying. I had to focus on myself and and my timeline and not worry about anybody else's timeline or anybody else's thoughts and feelings or tweets. <laughs> um, so it definitely has been something that I've struggled with. And, and only now am I starting to kind of overcome it and 
and start to understand my journey and what I want from from this sport. Mm. Wow, yeah, it's, it's incredible really, really you shared that because yeah. I'm sure a lot of people feel like that, and not just athletes, exactly. but in yeah. all walks of yeah, life. Definitely, and, you know, hearing some, you know, reading someone's tweet or an Instagram comment or a YouTube that can be, you know, words have power, and it's so it yeah. can be so powerful when people say things like that and you yeah. know you can have 999 positive comments and that one that comment one can comment. just stick like a thorn you know <laughs> remember me and Lavi just sat there in the kitchen after we were, we were so angry, <laughs> we were so angry. Yeah. but then you can't help but think like okay how many people thought like this and and maybe that is the case like you just you start no to but i think the, i was gonna yeah. say it's the opposite it's like yeah. this one kind of idiot who's yeah. you know <laughs> thinks they can just you know spurt out some nonsense yeah. but that nonsense can actually get in your head can get under your skin yeah. can affect you know your mental health physical health and i think it's such a shame that people are so free and so cutting with yeah. their comments and their words yeah. and yeah. you know i think when people see athletes or celebrities or people online in general they think they can just you know about out these random <laughs> you know outlandish comments and opinions and that that's okay because you know you're a human being like you said yeah. you're going to see these things read these things and so yeah i would really encourage you to just absolutely <laughs> just forget about it that <laughs> completely yeah. and yeah i guess Focus just on yourself <laughs> yeah, yeah because you don't want to miss out on any more no, opportunities yeah. like the sports personality year yeah. you know you didn't go and i guess that's you know it's your choice you've got to do what you've got to do you yeah. don't want to be there feeling a certain way if that's yeah. going to make you feel worse but you don't want to miss out on any no. more it would have been great to go and obviously i saw my sister go and i was, I was just thinking oh, i wonder what people think <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't get invited, but I did, but I did go. So I just, yeah, next time I'd like to actually just feel like I deserve to be there. But I think it was good for my personal kind of development and growth to kind of take a step back, I guess, mm. and, and just kind of, I guess, start back from the basics, like just stick to going to the track in the morning and then going home and, and then work your way up again, I guess. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, I look forward to watching it and seeing it unfold because I'm sure that you will. Honestly, it's Fingers so exciting. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the Power Hour because this <laughs> is the Power Hour podcast. So I don't know how much you girls know about my Power Hour and my morning routine, but for anyone well, we listening, know. you know, <laughs> we see all the time. We love how it. How does she do it? Well, for anyone Crazy. listening to the show who hasn't heard the, the podcast before, basically I'm an early bird. I get up early. I haven't always done it, but the last two years I have been setting my alarm for five o'clock or 5.30 in the morning and I get up and I give myself an hour at the start of the day to kind of get ahead. So I would love to know how, what time do you get up in the morning and what is the first thing that you do each day? Who wants to go first? I'll go. Okay, Lena. Um, so I, oh, I can't imagine waking up at half five. I used to wake up around yeah, half five when I used to work as um, a barista in a coffee shop <laughs> and I hated it. Um, so kudos to you for doing that. <laughs> um, but I wake up about half seven in the morning. I train in the mornings. So, I mean, the, we only live about 10 minutes away from the track we train at. So I could afford to wake up around half eight <laughs> okay. and then leave at like nine. But um, I, I tend to give myself like an extra hour again to get ahead. So I give myself time to, to have breakfast. I think that's the main thing. So I used to rush in the morning and just get my breakfast. But I literally just take time to sit down. I usually put the news on <laughs> in the morning, yeah. catch up with, with the world, um, have my breakfast and just have a chilled morning before I go to the track. And I find that really helps. Okay, yeah. so you have your breakfast, you watch the news. What do you have for yeah. your breakfast? Is it, do you mix it up? Varies. Yeah, I really wish I was like one of these people who always has porridge. My sister's like that, but I literally, I, 
I just can't get into it. So okay. I usually have like cereal or like yogurt and granola. Okay. But the first thing I always do in the morning is make a cup of coffee. I have coffee, to, I have okay. to start the morning with a cup of coffee. Love <laughs> Don't talk to me before I caffeinate. I have to caffeinate first. Okay, that is so funny. Love you. You drink coffee as well. And yes. do you remember we went for breakfast in the summer? Yes. And you were like, you couldn't believe that I didn't drink caffeine. I was very disappointed. Yeah, I mean, are you a self-confessed coffee addict? Yes, I think if anyone's ever met either myself or Lena, they know straight away it's like we're obsessed with coffee. We okay. are obsessed with coffee. Um, I, I should have bought you some coffee today. Sorry, girls. Next Adrian. time. <laughs> Sorry. But, but Lavia, what time do you wake up and what's the first thing that you do in the morning? So it depends when I wake up because I actually train. I don't train at the same time every day. Um, so one of the most important things as an athlete is to get rest and recovery. So for example, yesterday I trained at 6 p.m. And I left the track at 9.30. So when I had when I got home, I had dinner at half 10. I was in bed at midnight. So wow. this morning I had to give myself a bit of a line. I would love to get up early and I love getting up early. So 7.30ish, as my sister, same as my sister, is the time that I'd love to get up because it gives you time to get moving, especially as an athlete, you just feel so yeah. clogged up and like really stiff. So you want to get stretched and moving. Um, but the first thing I would do when I wake up is hydrate. That's the first thing because your body overnight has spent time recovering, repairing the muscles and it, it uses up the water in your body. So the first thing we do is hydrate, then caffeinate <laughs> <laughs> and then breakfast because as like I said, your body repairs overnight. So you need to break the fast, so have breakfast. Yeah, refuel, yeah. get ready for the day. And also I find that if I rush breakfast, it ruins my day. Mm. It, it, it sounds really strange, but I remember when I was at university, I was training at the same time. I would rush breakfast and just rush off into into town and I would feel horrible for the rest of the day. So now I try not to avoid having a good breakfast okay. because it, I just feel it, it gets me through my day. So yeah, self-confessed porridge addict. So <laughs> porridge and coffee um, and porridge every day. Coffee, yeah. and I guess, so for you, it's fuel as well, as you it said, is, you know, yeah. I think I'm hearing a lot of people at the moment talking about intermittent fasting and there's this whole, maybe it's just in my space, but so many people are talking about, you know, you don't need breakfast. You don't need to kind of like, you know, wake your body up. <laughs> so and Yeah, so wake your body up and straight away it's like that the way it was described to me the other day somebody said you know you wake up and straight away it's like boom like you're giving your body and your digestive system like work to do and like food takes a lot of energy to process and whatever so they were saying like actually midday is the best time to you know i guess you know break the fast and so a lot of people are now skipping breakfast obviously there's always different trends on mm. you know uh, and different recommendations and stuff but it's interesting that you said as athletes you know you've spent the whole night resting recovering mm -hmm. so you need to refuel and I guess straight away to, to start your day. It's all very strategic, I think. I think if you're if you're active in some sort of way, you need to have breakfast. Like, that's just my personal opinion because you have to look at what your body does overnight. And I think if you fast until midday, your body almost goes into like a breakdown mode because it's you, you haven't given it fuel. So it's using what, what it's got left, which is probably not much mm. considering that it's been spending the night trying to recover and recuperate. Um, so I don't know how I feel about that, but I think it depends on what your lifestyle's like. If you live quite a sedentary lifestyle, then maybe mm, it's good, yeah. but I don't know. I haven't really looked into that. that yeah. much, but, mm. but if you're listening and you are active. somebody who's active, yes. maybe you're a runner, maybe you're, maybe you're an aspiring, you know, athlete or runner or whatever, and you're training and exercising, maybe you're just keen in the gym. You know, so many people now, they literally train like athletes because they're just yeah. in the gym like five times a week. So yeah, we're team breakfast today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Definitely. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, lastly, I'd love to talk to you both about motivation because I'm learning that it's completely different for everyone. I know that this word motivation, you know, people talk about that a 
lot. People always ask me, so one of my most frequently asked questions is how do you stay motivated? And I know that some people, you know, need external motivation. Some people will say they're doing it to prove other people wrong or they hate to lose or there's all these different reasons and ways to kind of get motivated. So for each of you, what is it that motivates you each day? Lena? <laughs> I think for me, the, the main thing that kind of gets me up in the morning um, is just the opportunity like to improve. I, I know that every day is a new day and, and I always put it on my phone screen. I'm like, okay, today is a day to, to have a chance to actually improve. So um, I always look at, at life as like mini goals, like mini chapters. I call my life a story, it's quite funny. <laughs> and then I have little mini chapters and stuff. And every day is a new chapter and it's like, okay, what am I gonna do today that's gonna make me better tomorrow? And that's what gets me going and, and gets me kind of motivated to start my training session in the morning and yeah. Just I love that. Line, what am I gonna I do today? What am I gonna do today that's gonna make me better tomorrow? That's gonna make me better tomorrow. <laughs> Cause I, I think that. when we first started this, our year, so our year started in September, um, or October for you, uh, we kind of looked at the whole year and, we, and our main goal is the World Championships and that's all the way in October the year after. <laughs> so we just thought, oh my God, 12 months of this whole year to get ready. And I'm like, what are we gonna do over those 12 months? And it just felt so daunting and overwhelming that we had to work for 12 months. Um, Cause usually it's about, I don't know, nine or 10 months mm -hmm. that we prepare for our big championships. Um, and I just thought, okay, the way I'm gonna do it this year is I'm gonna break it down into mini goals and I'm gonna work in like three, three four week kind of cycles of um, mot motivating cycles, I guess. and. Um, now that we're in, into the indoor season, it's it's gone so quickly. Like uh, I looked back at my training diary and I had done 20 weeks of training and wow. it just felt like two weeks <laughs> because yeah. I broke it down into these mini cycles. And um, I guess that's the way I kind of keep motivated is okay, what am I gonna do in the next month? That's gonna make me better for the next month. And, mm. and before we know it, we're already into competition season. So I guess in, in a way to stay motivated just to make it um, quite small and accessible to yourself. Yeah, break yeah. it down. Yeah. How about you, Lavia? Um, very similar. So I think that motivation, the word itself can be quite overwhelming. So if you, th if you think to yourself, I want to be motivated, it's very vague and there's, how do you do that? So yeah. I think the question is how am I gonna stay motivated? And again, I'm gonna take it back to being individual in, in finding that motivation, finding what's right for you, finding what you want to do. So, um, so that in saying that every year, my motivations are quite different. So this year, um, I definitely want to do the bite size thing that my sister just mentioned, um, breaking things down so that they seem much more manageable. So for me, how I stay motivated is looking at the next week, two weeks, month, even the next day. What am I going to do today and how am I going to do it to the best of my ability? And I think that's, that's the best way to stay motivated is to yeah, uh, cut it down to bite-sized chunks. And then that way it just seems much more manageable. Mm. Um, so this week, uh, my goal is to try and get stronger in the gym. It's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. looking at the small goal, looking yeah. at, as you said, this week's goal, not just the whole end picture of, you know, Olympics or world championships, because yeah. that's amazing so, and yeah. incredible. <laughs> but as you said, also overwhelming and also yeah. so far away. So far away, exactly. yeah. And I think, you know how people say they want the summer body? To, that seems so far away. The summer is ages away. It's freezing right now. Yeah, and then yeah. you probably get into the cycle of, oh, I'll just start next week. I'll just start yeah, doing I that. Feel, yeah, I feel like you can become complacent because it feels so far away and you've got time to get there. You've got time to waste. Um, whereas if you just think about this week, next week, this month, it, I think you can stick to a training regime a lot better than yeah. 
something that's completely far away great so whatever your goal is break it down down. have the big goal and then have some shorter small goals that you can kind of work on today this week to yeah keep you motivated so that brings me on to the power hour (laughs) challenge so each week i will ask the guests to give our listeners something that they could do something to get them involved and to kind of encourage them inspire them motivate them to live their life this week with a little bit more I guess, uh, yeah, motivation. So what could our listeners do this week? Something, if they've got one hour to dedicate, uh, what could they be doing more of and what could they be doing less of? I would give them one of my um, uh, things that I'm trying at the moment. So every Sunday morning, I don't look at my phone. I disconnect. Um, I've I've muted a lot of people on Instagram, mainly because I don't want to see how they're working. (laughs) Like mainly my rivals, I don't want to see what they're doing because it kind of makes me go, oh, she's doing that, then I have to do that. So disconnect um, and I just take a walk to the local farmer's market and I literally just live like so basically. um, And and I kind of just disconnect from um, everything that I'm doing because being a professional athlete can get overwhelming and every day, every hour of every day you're doing something to make yourself better as an athlete so every Sunday I give myself a break I'm like okay today I'm going to disconnect and I'm just going to live a simple life today and and it honestly does help because Monday comes and I'm like right I'm ready mm-hmm. to start this week and 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 li- literally just smash it so I would give that advice to people because it nice. works for me like wonders that's <laughs> nice so disconnect give yourself yeah. a break a well-deserved rest at the end of the week yeah how about you love you I was going to say the same thing. Simplify things. Simplify. So get rid of the phone. I feel like um, these days, everyone's trying to be productive, which is a great thing. But in doing that, sometimes you download these apps that you don't need. You buy these <laughs> notebooks that you don't use. And then you go on um, Instagram and you're scrolling down at things you probably won't even pay attention to. So get rid of the phone. Get rid of those notebooks that are piling up that you don't need and simplify things. Just write things down on a simple piece of paper and, and a pen. And get things done yeah (laughs) simplify things i think that's simplify simplify yeah it's interesting you say that because this whole productivity especially at the start of the year i guess it's kind of rammed down people's throats that like you have to make a plan you've got to execute the plan (laughs) you've got to be productive all the time and to be honest that's like that's me you know me that i'm (laughs) always you're planning (laughs) you actually do things (laughs) yeah but i say that to a lot of people because they'll ask me like adrian i want to do this but i've got to make a plan first or they'll say oh you know i'm gonna do this but first (laughs) i need to like you know make a make a strategic kind of and I'm like when are you going to actually do it though exactly. you know like it's all very well planning but as you said planning the plan it's like yeah. come on just like <laughs> just chuck it. the, yeah, chuck the notebook out of the way yeah. forget about the schedule and just start because yeah. if you haven't even started yeah. you know you're yeah. not getting anywhere just yeah just start because you don't know where that could take you so as mm. long as you have a foot in the door that's all you need to do yeah, yeah okay so we're going to disconnect for a little bit have a bit of time off and not worry too much about planning (laughs) being productive every damn day amazing okay cool so last question i ask every single guest is all about time and i really really appreciate you guys giving me an hour of your time today because i know how mega busy you are i believe that time is the most valuable thing that we all have so what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you love you i'm gonna start with you i think time has taught me that things will fall into place eventually so um when i was starting out in the sport I would think about things that I need to change, things that I needed to improve on. And it was all, it was all a feeling of why is this not happening yet? Um, but over time, when I look back, I think, why did I worry so much about it? Because it actually eventually fell into place. So being patient and trusting the process. I know it's such a cliche, but honestly, just trust the process and and just know that things will fall into place. Mm. Lena? I think time has taught me that 
it runs differently for everybody. And I learned that the harder I guess, because I was so kind of swept up in what everybody else was doing that I didn't realize that I myself was improving, not just as an athlete, but as a person, I was developing so much. And when I look back at who I was two years ago, I don't even recognize that person. It's that memory so far removed. So I kind of realized eventually that time runs differently for me, I guess, and for everybody out there, it, it runs differently. So I just take comfort in that and, and, and know that my timeline is different and that it eventually will will happen. Um, and yeah, it just taught me to be patient. Yeah, yeah. patience is the key. <laughs> yeah. I'm not very good at being patient <laughs> at all. Thanks so much for coming in, girls. Honestly, I've loved having you here today. So let us know, reach out if you are gonna join the Power Hour Challenge, if you're gonna disconnect this weekend and have some <laughs> simple downtime. Um, and let us know if you are enjoying the podcast, you can uh, leave us a rate and a review on iTunes. You can reach out on Instagram, Twitter, we're everywhere so if everyone anyone listening wants to hear more from you which i'm sure they will where can they find you online and in real life so everything of mine is lavias if it's spelled so correctly so awesome. l-a-v-i-a-i i'm on twitter with that name instagram with that name and i've got a website lavia.co.uk it's a new one right it's new, a new yeah. blog so i wanted to have a place where i can share all my thoughts and my knowledge so um I often get questions on Instagram around motivation, track things, um, nutrition. So I thought I'd just put it in one place where everyone can sort of find it and yeah. I can update people with the things that I learn as well. Yeah. So I love you, look at UK, it's friends, sparkling new. Great, oh, <laughs> <right>. Lena? <laughs> friends is not that simple. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people called Lena. So you'll find me on Instagram at Lena Runs. Um, and I've also got a blog as well, so lenaruns.com. Um, and um, you'll find us in real life on the track most yeah, likely on the track, <laughs> on so the track just running around in circles yeah so get involved get tickets and to be honest if you type in the name yeah lena lavia nielsen twins it's gonna come up you're yeah, gonna find type them in the nielsen twins you'll find them yeah you'll find them <laughs> online thanks so much thanks everybody for listening Thank i you. really appreciate your time see ya bye bye <laughs>Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.